Hello everyone, welcome back to Everything is Tragic with Hilary Starr. I am your host, Hilary Starr. Welcome everyone, welcome to a brand new week, welcome to a brand new episode. Um, first of all, I just want to get this, get my laundry list out of the way. I just want to say thank you guys for all of the support y'all have been showing me. Um, it really is quite uh, surreal to see the support that I've been getting with my podcast. Um I'm not going to lie, I thought I was going to want to give up after the second episode because I have kind of this hyperfixation type of personality trait where I will hyperfixate on something for a while and then I'll get tired of it quickly. Kind of like me playing The Sims. I'll play The Sims for months and months and then I'll give up playing The Sims for years. Um, that's like me with food and stuff. I get, have like this like obsessive and addictive personality. Uh, so I thought that was going to happen with me with the podcast, but I've been really loving sitting here and just getting to chit chat with you guys and seeing like the feedback I've been getting, the DMs, it really does bless my uh, my heart and really warm up my cold and bitter heart. Um, so I really do appreciate the all of the support. So thank you guys. Um, so this episode is going to be a little bit on the funny side. Um, I've also been told that a lot of you guys actually fall asleep to my episodes so i'm gonna try my best to speak in a very asmr tone so please get cozy in your bed cuddle up with your squish mallow your tea your chamomile tea or your oolong tea and sit back relax and let's trauma dump on you today (laughs) um yeah essentially that's what my podcast is just me trauma dumping on you and uh getting a little laugh the last episode wasn't that funny because it was just way too serious for me to even want to, I tried joking, I don't know if you guys would notice, like I would try to say something funny in between, but I just couldn't, that that topic always gets me, but today's topic is a little bit on the lighthearted side, even though it's me trauma dumping, it's gonna be like, I'm gonna try to make it as funny as possible, and it is funny, the situations that I've gotten myself into for work, for money, for a penny, me rubbing two pennies together and not being able to pay for a McDonald's or my gas and yet having to go to these places. Um, So today's topic is uh, my work history and where I have worked, it, it, why I am the way that I am. You know how like that bullshit saying where people are like, oh, you know, like your jobs like mold you to be the person that you way that you want to to mold you. The (laughs) jobs mold you to be the person that you are like in your old, like I've heard a lot of people say that in the past and I can 100% say that the jobs that I've had have molded me into the person that I am today, but not in a good way. I've become such an anxiously ridden, no wanting to have kids, have an ass, uh, big booty Latina heathen, where I just, I cannot even begin to, like, how am I happy right now in life? Or maybe the reason why I'm so depressed at times is because of the jobs that I've had. Who knows? We're going to dive right into it because... I need y'all to to get a deeper understanding of (laughs) how far I've come as a person (laughs) and why this job as a creator is such a blessing because I feel like I deserve it. So we're going to get right into it. We're going to, going to dive in. Um, so get cozied up or grip that steering wheel, get that coffee and let's get right into this episode. Okay. So let's, let's sit back. Let's get comfortable we're going to talk about my job history, right? And it doesn't sound like it's something funny, but it's a very funny situation that I've gotten myself into with the jobs that I've had. So I guess the best place to start is um, 
working as a camp counselor. That was my first job as an 18 year old. First of all, I never understood the concept of parents trusting 18 year old kids taking care of other kids. I never understood that concept. Not going to say that there aren't 18 year olds out there that were mature enough to take care of kids because there were, there were definitely 18 year olds that were very mature for their age and knew how to take care of kids. But at the end of the day, we were kids ourselves. We just wanted to be a part of the fun. I'm talking about me where I would let kids do whatever they want because I was like, oh, kids are just kids. And I would like sit and play with them and do arts and crafts. But, you know, at the end of the day, I was a camp counselor and I had to deal with the shitty end of being a camp counselor and the fun end. So I started working as a counselor back in 2013, end of high school, graduated. I was like, I want my first job to be something fun. I want to have fun in the sun. So I was like thinking about even being a lifeguard uh, because I used to be a swimmer back in middle school. And I was like, I think I would be great as a lifeguard, not knowing that, you know, I had a fear of oceans um, and the fact that I had to jump into the water and save people. But people that work at the beach and our lifeguards are so hot. They have tans, they look so beautiful, and I could have been one of those beautiful people. But then I was like, oh, maybe I could be like a pool lifeguard because I wanted a job that was outdoors. I wanted something that I can enjoy the weather and really um, dive in deep into nature or the nature of the city of New York, you know, the culture. So uh, my cousins, I have about three of them that have ran through this organization and it's an organization that has not only a child's like summer camp they have a a day camp they had an after school program and they had like a senior center all in one building and it was so cute seeing all the old people uh it was adorable um but I wanted to be a camp counselor so went for the interview everything went great this was also the same year that Andrew and I worked together uh because we had just met I worked with my cousin and he got Andrew a job. And so I was like, this guy is hot as fuck. I want him in my life. And I got to see him every day, you know, uh, but he didn't want me. That's that could be like a different episode of how we met and, you know, my married life, my marriage story, um, because he didn't want me. He wanted this gorgeous Greek goddess, Demetra, who was another camp counselor, but she was like this gorgeous, tall Greek girl with like beautiful olive skin long curly hair that went down to her ass she was tall and slender and then there was like the short stumpy big booty latina in the corner um with split ends and i really thought i had a chance but that episode is for another day keep in mind guys this podcast it says it in my bio i tend to go on tangents i tend to get off topic but that is what podcasts are all about we're gonna go off on our own rants our own tangents but i'm gonna try my best to get back on topic (laughs) so i um i was the camp i was a camp counselor for 23 plus kindergartner students okay and i had the help of two other counselors and it was a lot of fun but when shit got bad it was fucking bad like if a kid like fuck like bleeding out because they tripped over a basketball and or they tripped over their own feet i don't understand why kids trip over themselves like just walk um it was it it was it that's when the job would get really real and i was like all right this is not the side of child care that i thought i would like and then um if it was not that it was me getting shit on my hands or having to clean up vomit uh or them putting their boogers on me like it was 
that type of reality that made me realize, you know what, even if this was my kid and they were doing that shit, I would still be disgusted. Um, and then dealing with kids that, you know, had like behavioral problem, problem, <laughs> that had be- behavioral problem, but oh my God, I think I have a problem. Uh, dealing with kids that had behavioral problems that, um, you know, were always very like angry and like, just like hitting other kids and like being super loud. You always had to put them on timeout. It was one of those experiences that like, as an 18 year old, I was like, I should not be dealing with this bullshit. I am way too sexy, <laughs> way too beautiful, and way too talented to be dealing with stuff like this. But, you know, um, I'm trying to think of like metaphors, smart metaphors that I can come up with without cutting <laughs> and looking them up online. But yeah, no, it's it's a fail right now. So I'm not even going to try. Um, but yeah, so I had a lot of fun. But it was also not fun and it also didn't pay well because the way payment worked was that I got paid like twice in a month and like, yeah, I got paid like twice a month and it wasn't even a lot. It was like $250 like every, every other week or like every two weeks, something like that. It was some, it was some shit pay. It was shitty pay. And you know, you're at that age where you want to go out to eat. You want to hang out with your friends. You want to do all that shit. So I couldn't do much because I didn't have money like that. But I also, (laughs) I also wanted to live that life of like going out with friends because, you know, I didn't have my own friends. So, you know, if you remember from the previous episode, I didn't have my own friends. So being able to make my own friends at the summer camp and being able to go out to eat with them, I used to go to like Burger King after work and I felt like you know my high school self loving this I was like this is just a continuation of my high school career and I I, I love this energy of like being able to go to Burger King with my friends after after school but it was like after work and um we would uh go out to eat like after work and stuff and it, it it was a lot of fun but essentially you know we would take these kids to a campground in the middle of nowhere in Bumblefuck, Long Island. And we had to always make sure that one of our kids didn't run away. And this is like where my stance comes in of my opinion on having kids myself. This is one of my tangents. This is like what made me realize that like, I don't think I want kids because I requested so much to be with the older kids. I was like, please put me with the older kids. I don't want to be with the younger kids. Um, they're loud, they're annoying, they uh, <laughs> they do gross shit, and like, I, I do gross shit too, like, I, I pick my nose, I, other shit that I won't talk about in my podcast, but, you know, like, there's no shame, but it made me realize that, like, I don't really have the patience to deal with kids, I've somehow been able to do it for a little bit, but child I can only do it for so long before I was like get me the hell out of here and if I'm gonna be in childcare, put me with older kids kids that can be a little more coherent and aren't gonna smear their shit on my hands please lord for the love of god I can't tell you how much shit I had to wipe off of kids pants off of their shoes guys there was shit on shoes uh kids that would go missing and we had to find oh my god i and it was again it's one of those things where i'm like i if you have that instinct of like loving what you do even after all of that shit you know that's when you know that you would love doing that to your own kid 
But even after doing that and having those moments where like the kids would like take naps and I would love looking at them. I'm like, they look so cute. I was still like, yeah, I don't know if I want to be a mom. Like this is just too much. Um, if life was like the Sims and I can have a kid at the age of like seven, that would be great. If I can give birth to an eight, nine year old, I'll give birth to an eight, nine year old. I like kids. I love kids at that age because they're so cool. They know how to like talk a little more. They're a little more, you know, in the right mind. Uh, but kids like at such a young age, like, yeah, they're cute. They're like drunk little adults, but eh, it's the caring part that I don't really want to do. And I think society needs to stop putting this pressure on women uh, to have kids at such a young age. And like, oh, your 20s are your time to have kids. Like, you have no idea how many times I've been told that. They're like, you have all the energy now. Bitch, I wake up at 12, 1 p.m. because I can't fall asleep until 4 or 5 in the morning. Okay? It's my PCOS. But I cannot, for the life of me, have enough energy to formulate even like the most mild form of care i won't even cook for andrew if i'm that tired how the hell do you expect me to throw myself on the floor and play with my child what and i know like my kid would be so cute but at the same time i'm just like i i wouldn't want to put my kid through a situation where i I regret having them um because that's i feel like that would be so horrible for any kid with their development but anyways summer ended after school started this was my first semester of college and i didn't want to work too much so i worked as an after school counselor and i was with fifth graders and sixth graders and i was like you see this is what i wanted and it was a lot of fun because i felt like i was like their big sister you know and these were kids that like whenever they would have their something in the way moment they would just go to a corner put their headphones in listen to some music and then give it a few minutes and then i would go up to them and talk to them but when i had the kindergartners it was getting shit smeared on my hand or them crying because their veggies weren't cut into perfectly uh cut shapes uh, like squares and stars and um that was when i realized yeah no i'm not meant to be a mother So I was with the older kids, everything was great, and then after that, I decided to uh, quit because, well, I I carried on until like mid-2014, and I think I did summer camp also. God, I don't remember 2014, but I do remember the next job I had, which was a pyramid scheme. Yeah, we, it was it was definitely a pyramid scheme um, because it was one of those, yeah, it was one of those, we're going to get into it. So lo and behold, this was when I started getting a little more serious because I was going to school for marketing and I was like, you know what? Now I'm getting so serious about my career. Mind you, I was in my, what it was, it was my second year of college. I was a junior and I really thought, what? No, that's a third year, dumbass. I was a sophomore and um, I really thought that I was ready to take on a full-time job, which, you know, I... (laughs) I really thought I was ready to take on a full-time job, but obviously you'll find out later on that I really wasn't because I failed my semester um, because I thought I could handle it. So there I was on Glassdoor, you know, Glassdoor, LinkedIn, what was, what a zip recruiter. I was looking at marketing jobs because I thought I could handle it. I put part-time, you know, because I thought there was part-time marketing jobs and I found this one fucking company that just stuck out to me and it said lead generation and it said like handling pipeline of like it may again you know how like job 
jobs love to fluff up the job description and make it seem like it's such a desirable thing that you want to do that by the time you get to the interview, it's a little too late to be like, oh damn, I don't know if I want to do this because you have people pleasing tendencies and you want to seem serious and you don't want to have, you don't want to feel like you wasted someone's time by going to an interview. So you agree to the job. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. So I went to this job right? I went to this job interview. I wore my mom's best uh, black pants, <laughs> professional pants. I wore these uh, flats that were too tight around my toes. I stopped the circulation completely. I also wore one of my mom's blouses. I wore her makeup. Guys, this was 2014. I was not introduced to makeup like that. So I, everything, I went as my mother to this job interview. So I pull up um, and I, it's like this gorgeous building right it's like a I'm like is this where I'm gonna work is this is this gonna be my job well I'm like all right I was really having like my early 2000s uh like teenage coming of age movie where it was like I was looking up at the building and I was like she had one dream and that dream was coming true today little did she know (laughs) like the stars were aligned perfectly I walk in and It's one of those office buildings where every office room was like a different company. So it was like a a commercial building where every office room, does that make sense, was like a different company. So I walk in, it's gorgeous, the foyer, the ceilings were glass, the sun was shining bright, there was a gorgeous fountain in the middle, there was like little tables. I just pictured myself having lunch in that fountain and I was like... I can see myself here. I felt so good about where I was going in life (laughs) as a sophomore. And I was like, look at me, a sophomore in college, pursuing a job like this. Like, I really thought that I was achieving great things. So I see that like the little office space is the, you know, the the, the company and that I was applying for. And I was like, oh, I thought it was the whole office, whatever first disappointment out of many i walk in and i see this tall blonde haired bug-eyed blue man you know you know people with blue eyes how they look at you he was like with a thick southern accent this guy was like oh how can i help you today and i was like hi i'm hillary i'm here to interview for the what the fuck was a position name like creative lead or something like that and then he was like he was like oh hillary nice to meet you i'm grant his name was grant and um he was like, all right, we can go outside to the courtyard. It's, it's gorgeous out there, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, no, it's nice. <laughs> and then we sat down and then he's like, so tell me about your experience in the marketing field. And I was like telling him how I had zero experience. And all you could see on my resume was I used to clean up shit after three-year-old kids and um, hire me, please. And he was like, he literally told me, he was like, you know, I think I find it so inspiring that you at this age you want to work in your designated field and I was like yeah no like I think I'm ready to work as a you know work in marketing like because I love marketing it's and he was just like and you know what I I don't remember the interview so I'm not gonna make it up but I do remember the ending where he was like you know what there I am sitting in my mom's clothes and I'm just sitting there like waiting for the good answer um I was hoping that he would say like, you know, like we will do like a follow up interview. But no, this is where the red flag number two comes in. The first one was the fact that this gorgeous office building 
wasn't the company itself. That's the first one. The second one is this. The fact that towards the end of the interview, he looks at my resume and he's like, well, as if like there's so many qualifications, like I fucking helped bring out Kellogg, the company forward for doing like a an amazing advertising campaign with them. Like, no, it literally just says that I was a camp counselor to 23 kindergartner students. Like there was nothing impressive there. And he's looking at it like it's the best resume he's ever seen. Like my address took up more space in that resume because I double spaced and did all that shit. Um, but he looked at it and he was like, you know what? I, I, I'm just going to come right out and say, I, you're hired. We would love to have you on the team. Guys, that was a moment that I should have been like, mm. no, you know what? After you saying that, no, I'm going to walk away with my head held held high and I'm not going to go with this job because that is a huge red flag. How the fuck do I have no experience in any form of marketing and you're going to tell me that I'm qualified for this job? <laughs> yeah, no, we're not going to do that, but go on. So I immediately got like very excited because, you know, I was 18. I was like, this is my first serious job. Like I go, I graduated from working with kids to working at a marketing agency. That doesn't happen to everybody, but it happened to me. And I'm going to make a difference in the marketing world. I am. I am the blueprint. I am Louis Armstrong on the moon. I am putting my footprint on this company as the youngest. He said that I would be, that I was the youngest in the company. And I was like, you know what? That says a lot about my tenacity. I can't wait to tell my parents. Oh, sorry. If my dogs bark throughout the video, sorry. And if you hear the little pitter patters, sorry. <laughs> the interview was over. I went back home. I told my parents, I'm like, apparently I'm going to be doing some lead generation, whatever the hell that is. I had no idea what that was. And my parents being um, non-English speakers and being, you know, me being the first generation immigrant child i was always the experiment but my parents were like you know try it you know you never know what might happen poor people didn't know what, what i was getting myself into um they could have dug me out but they chose not to i don't blame them though <laughs> what the hell did they know but i remember going to new york and company <laughs> i remember going to new york and company to buy a whole new wardrobe of professional clothing like you know the pants and the the nice blouses i aged myself like 20 years by dressing myself the way that I did for this job. I was 18 and I looked 35, you know, trying to look older and more mature. Um, first day of work came. I go into this building. It was like 8.45. I was super early. And um, I walk into this room. Well, first of all, I walk into the office. And what do I hear? I hear loud EDM music blasting coming from behind the doors of this uh, marketing firm. And uh, that should have been the third red flag, because when you hear a company blasting EDM music at nine in the morning, walk away. Don't even put your two weeks in. Just just walk away and go to your car, get some food and realize the shit show that you just got yourself into and how the fuck are you going to get out of it? Just don't go back. So there I am standing there and me thinking that it was cool at that age because I was like this is fun this is a, this must be a fun job I walk in there and everybody's like pumped there's like maybe 30 people crammed into like a little space and in this office there was like four other rooms and they were all they all belonged to the managers and so 
This was the concept of the job. Now I'm going to break down for you what this job actually was. So this was a lead generation job, which meant you had to sign someone up and order, and that was considered a lead, and you would make a commission off of those leads. So let me specify to you what this job was. So my job essentially was whatever place I was assigned to go to, I was assigned our client was the Home Depot, right? We would get assigned every day a Home Depot location to go to. I was always, my my area was Long Island, um, so I would always go to these Home Depot locations. And why would you go to a Home Depot? For what, Hillary? Were you working at the Home Depot? No, no. I was working for the company of Home Depot, like corporate. I used to say that. I was like, no, I'm with corporate. (laughs) I'm with corporate. My job was to walk around a Home Depot, find vulnerable people who would only go to Home Depot to get like a fucking nail that they need to put their bookshelf up. And I have to harass them and sign them up for kitchen cabinet refacing consultations. Okay, so if you don't know what kitchen cabinet refacing is, it's when you uh, change the doors of your kitchen, of your cabinets in your kitchen. Instead of like gutting out your kitchen, it's like a more cost efficient way of you putting new cabinets, um, but just the doors and like painting them with like good quality paint. And then you're able to save yourself some money with that. Right. So my job was essentially to try to find someone to sign up for this unwanted consultation about kitchens. And like the way that you got a lead was you had to sit them down. You had to drag them from the lumber section they're like over here shopping for wood and you get them to come with you you have to bring them to this desk by the kitchen section and you have to sit them down you have to sign them up get them on the phone with home depot and confirm the appointment and the way you got the lead was only if they went through with the appointment which is already such a big commitment to get someone to do And it was always on a Saturday that they wanted to make the appointment. And you really think they're going to want someone coming over their house on a Saturday? No, no. So that was my job. I had to hound people down at a Home Depot with my business business attire. And as an 18-year-old girl walking around these stores where it's like predominantly like a masculine area where I was constantly getting hit on. It was it was great. It was such a great experience, you know? That's where my start, that, that's where I started hating men <laughs> a lot. <laughs> so my first day on the job, I actually went to my first Home Depot location with my team lead. But let me just break down to you the management structure so you guys have a better understanding of why, if you look at the comments of like uh, the reviews of this company, why people say it's a pyramid scheme and why I said it was a pyramid scheme. Okay. So first of all, you have the head honcho, blue eyed white Walker, um, manager, and he was the head, the head manager, right? This is, this is him. And then he had his little minions. It was like four managers under him. And then under them, they had four or five members, like team members under them. So you kind of see how that starts. And Hillary, that's like a regular, like corporate, no no not if you make most of your commission by the work that your little people your little minions do okay 
Second of all, it just felt like very cultish, like a pyramid scheme. Um, because this head honcho, this White Walker, we're going to call him White Walker. I already said his name, Grant, whatever, but White Walker, White Walker Grant. Um, he came all the way from the South, somewhere in the South, and he brought his team of four people with him in order to open a location in New York. And like, think about it this way. Like, it was like Moses bringing his people, like freeing his people and, uh, kind of starting his own little colony up yonder in New York, you know? So, um, so he came to New York and now they have their own teams. So, they would promise us the world they would promise us everything and telling us like how we were going to make so much money if we just persisted and we worked hard (laughs) sorry my dog is uh rubbing his face on the couch bear bear calm down bear we are good little boys and girl um so yeah like they would promise you the world they would promise you that you would have your own team you would have your own office keep in mind there were only four offices in there and then eventually you can start your own organization kind of like the head honcho white walker grant and we really thought that we were doing the damn thing and every morning meeting they always put me on the spot because i was the youngest in the office and they used to say to me like wow like hillary like we're so proud of you like that you're doing this and that you're you know the youngest one in the office like it's such an inspiration and i was like you know what i am an inspiration (laughs) they really had me believing that i was such an inspiration but i haven't gotten a single lead and it's been like a week and a half and every new person they brought in like maybe 20 plus new people every new person had already gotten at least two leads i haven't gotten a single one because i just can't go i just can't go to the power drill aisle of the home depot and ask someone can you please come with me and like schedule this appointment i was never good in sales because i can't convince someone to do something that i don't like really believe in or like sell them something that i didn't really like or believe in but you know when i worked in sephora I was able to I was able to sell, sell makeup to a fucking to, 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 to. <laughs> I was able to sell makeup to anyone but working for a company that were like you didn't really believe in the product or like you weren't interested in it like it's so hard you have to have a different kind of personality trait to be able to do that so I went with my lead to my first Home Depot location. Guys, I'm not even kidding. She told me, are you wearing sneakers? I'm like, no. She's like, I wear sneakers, girl, because I run around these aisles and I'll be be catching, I'll be hunting these people down. We got to hunt these people down. I'm like, bro, what? Bear, come on. We're gentlemen. Um, I would hunt. She would hunt people down. Guys, we used to run through the aisles of the Home Depot to talk to some 60 year old guy whose like wife recently died and try to convince him to go through with this consultation like the, the, the last thing he needs is a consultation about how his cabinets that like his wife used to cook hot like meatloaf with like it, it's the last thing that he wants to do but no we have to make it it's like a huge selling point of why it's better but you know what i would do eventually I used to hang out in the kitchen section. You weren't supposed to recruit people in that way. You weren't allowed to go into the kitchen section. But what I would do is I would wait for people to leave the kitchen section and I would follow them. (laughs) I would follow them into like the toilet section or the bathroom section and I would talk to them there. I was like, I noticed you were looking at cabinets. Good thing I didn't have blue eyes. I was like, I noticed you were looking at the kitchen cabinets. Um, I actually work with Home Depot and I help people like set up consultations. And it was always like, I would always be able to get them to make the appointment. I wouldn't bring them to the desk. 
but I would be, I was able to like make the appointment, but they would never go through with it. So I wouldn't get the lead. Um, this manager, uh, the White Walker Grant, he used to send me to some far ass locations. He would send me like hours away from my house, like up in Riverhead. If you know New York, Riverhead is a drive. Okay. And I used to have to go all the way over there. And I remember one time my phone stopped working. So I had to find myself back i have to find my way back to the highway to get home it was also pouring rain there were no street lights and i have like this irrational fear of driving in places with that have no street lights i I hate it i hate it with a burning passion and um this highway had no street lights and i used to be so scared oh my god like and i used to be really scared like as a woman as a female as someone who identifies as a woman, it was a scary type of job to have because you're by yourself, you're driving to all these locations where it's predominantly male-oriented and you're all by yourself. And then I would get calls from my manager when I wouldn't get leads. I used to cry in the aisles. Guys, this job was quite traumatizing and I eventually got fired. I like They were going to let me go, but I quit before they fired me. <laughs> So I ended up uh, failing my second semester of college because of this fucking company. And now that I'm, I actually looked up some reviews uh, not that long ago, like maybe a day or two ago. And all these people were talking. Apparently the company is no longer uh, running. Thank God. I think White Walker um, Grant actually left New York. Good good freaking plague so i also worked as a camp counselor throughout my years like throughout like 2014 15 16 and i think even 17 like i would help like i would go back to this fucking organization (laughs) and work for pennies um as a camp counselor or as a uh after school um counselor i won't touch on it too much because it was pretty much the same thing like underpaid understaffed there was always new people coming to uh the job and we always had to like retrain people it was it wasn't anything like crazy um then came sephora uh so sephora was a lot of fun because of the people that i worked with and the friendships that i made like that's where i actually made real friends um when i started working at sephora um how do I so like the interview process was pretty quick uh it wasn't like hired on the spot type of thing it was definitely me waiting to hear back if I got hired or not because there was several people interviewing uh for the same position um but I got a call back but I think it was because I I did my makeup really nice that day (laughs) um so I was a, a color specialist and um working at the Sephora I worked at the Sephora in uh this mall it was a very popular sephora location because everybody went there it was the biggest sephora i think in that you know around the area of long island uh where they had the most brands um and it was a mall so you always had heavy traffic uh the parking lot was always full my car was always getting scratched because uh, the park people just didn't know how to fucking open doors um and i worked at sephora i think i don't even think i lasted a year shortly after holiday um i quit because a they wouldn't work with my school schedule because they're fucking assholes that bitch manager uh i was gonna say her name uh like we i I, like i was going to school full-time and they would not work with my schedule i I hate companies that are like that because it's like you know you're going to school you're prioritizing your studies this is a retail job like i i can't give my all to this retail job because at the end of the day this isn't my end-all be-all 
Um, so I was a color specialist. Um, pros of working this job were, you know, the free makeup that we would get. Like, guys, you know when you, I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever shopped at Sephora where you bought so much shit that you got the really big bags. But I worked at Sephora where, um, so like when I worked at Sephora, we would get free shit. Like we were the influencers of the Sephoras because we would get products that were going to be released within the next few weeks, days, and we had to try it out because, you know, when you're going to sell a product to someone, you have to try it out for yourself and see if you like it or not. So we, every month we would get free shit and it was like big bags of free makeup and it was the best thing in the world. The only thing I hated about it was the fact that they had to engrave the letter G into any product that they gave you because if you would bring it to work like let's say a lipstick a perfume it had to be engraved that you got it for free because if not they would think that you stole it um so uh so yeah other pros of working in the store the culture like just being with like a bunch of girls who love makeup like being able to like you know just share that camaraderie with other women it was like a lot of fun and guys too there were a lot of uh guys that work at sephora um but then the cons unfortunately the cons weighed out the the pros too heavily so the first con was the customers i don't know who who and i think it really depends on the clientele but working at sephora really taught me the meaning of goddamn people are some assholes aren't they People are some fucking assholes. You know how many times I've told clients, I'm like, do you want my brush belt? Do you want to work here? Because I can give it to you. Like joking around. But there was one where I said it really seriously because these women would, and men, but mostly women, they would come in so entitled, wanting to be like given the world. You know how many women would come in asking for samples of powder foundation? I'm like, are you that fucking cheap? Like, you know you could buy it and return it, right? Because this was at the time when you could return makeup, like, after a year or so. People would return makeup and skincare products, like, they were empty. The glass, like, the containers would be empty, and they would return them, and they would be like, I didn't like this product. I'm like, Stacy, that shit is empty, all right? And when I worked at Sephora, I wasn't at, at that cash register. Um, that was a different position, but I did have to help sometimes. I never volunteered. I always tried avoiding it as much as possible. But when I had to do it, I always fucked up. Um, I remember one time someone returned something and they put like fake liquid into the product to make it seem like there was actually product in it, but there wasn't. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that was fun. And there was, and like another con were, uh, another con in Sephora was the managers. And honestly, this can differ from different locations because not every manager is a shithead but the managers at my location were assholes and um not every single one of them but some of them for the most part were so disrespectful so rude and so condescending and they thought they didn't know boundaries they really thought that because they were if not almost the same age just a few years older they thought they could overpower you with their power with their fucking their self-worth and like their oh i'm above you and everything and i remember like going to sephora like with my hair curly my hair natural and i would have a manager who was dominican okay another minority 
queen telling me that I had to fix my hair, that I had to put it up, that I had to do something with it because it was messy. And I used to tell her, I'm like, you as a Dominican woman are telling me to fix my hair? I'm like, are you kidding me? And like, she would like try to joke with me afterwards and be like, yeah, but like, you know, like you have to like just fix. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, you did not just tell me that, that like my hair wasn't nice enough. I'm like, not you telling me that when you're Mm-hmm. Um, another con uh the uniforms i fucking hated these uniforms they were heavy they were disgusting they always got gross and we only got one which i never understood i'm like how is this multi-billion dollar, dollar company that's owned by lvmh okay like the house of louis vuitton how the hell are we only getting one uniform we should have gotten at least two or three because that shit used to get dirty so quickly um and holiday came around. I remember when inventory came around. I had to go into work at like 8 p.m. or something. And we stayed until like 2 3 in the morning just counting every eyeliner, every single eyeshadow, every lipstick, every lip liner. And it was hell. But it was fun. It's fun when you're working with the right people. It's fun when you're working with people that can make light of any situation. I was. I was a light in the dark tunnel, you know? Um... What else? I remember getting reported by someone, uh, a client, because I was giving her an attitude. But keep in mind, I won't give you an attitude unless you give me a reason to give you an attitude. This woman was being a bitch, okay? She was being a bitch. And when she was like, I would like to speak to your manager, I showed her my name tag. I'm like, this is my name tag. Tell her, Hillary. I'm in, just saw her, I'm by YSL. Bring her to me. I really don't care. At this point, I was waiting to get fired. Um, I also remember when I was trying to get verified to be a certified makeup artist to do makeovers because you know how you can go to Sephora and get your makeup done. I was trying to get that certification and this manager, the the micromanaging Dominican bitch, she didn't pass me because I didn't do one thing right, but she would pass other artists for bigger issues that like they had to fix but it was one of those things where it was like you can fix like with time with practice but with me it was like it wasn't good enough so I never got certified but at that point I was like you know what I don't even care because I'm not planning on staying here for that long um but other than that like this was one of those jobs where every time I walk into a Sephora I get hit with a little bit of PTSD (laughs) it's one of those jobs where like I walk in and I'm just like instantly triggered by the music and seeing like the types of people that are walking in there oh my god the things that would bother me about people coming into sephora the people that would open the drawers in the bottom even now i went to sephora a few days ago and i saw a woman doing that and i walked up to her and i told her i was like you're not allowed to do that i felt like such a karen but that shit annoys me where does it say customers are open to opening these drawers like if that was the case everybody would be fucking doing it god damn it Another thing I hated, I hated seeing women like opening uh, and and men also like opening the packages. Like if they saw lipstick, they wanted to open the package itself and like touch the lipstick, open it. Some people would actually swatch it. I used to embarrass people doing that because I used to love walking up to them and being like, I'll be like, did you just swatch that? And they would be like, oh, I just wanted to see if it was the right color. I'm like, I would grab it from them. I'm like, it says it on the box. And then they were like, oh, and I'm like, I have to dispose of this now because you touched it. 
and I would give them, I would always give them shit. Listen, I, I, I was that type of person where like, I wouldn't bring my emotional baggage to work. I would never let someone know that I was having a bad day. I would always try to be nice to people, but God damn it. The people that really ruined it for me, I tried my best to avoid anybody else because I was like, I do not want to give someone an attitude because people, oh my God. And when I think this was one of my favorite things, when people would steal, that was an event that was a movie premiere. Okay. <sighs> the guy that worked at loss prevention in Sephora didn't get the credit that I know he deserved. This was a hard job. Give your loss prevention guys the credit that they deserve because motherfuckers are doing God's work. I don't care if people steal. Sometimes I'm like, uh, yeah, why do you have to stoop yourself to that level? But honestly, it's a big company. I'm like, they're not going to lose that much. It's fine. But it does accumulate with time. Um, you know, the amount of money that gets stolen at these uh, Sephora's. So we would always love going into work and finding out that someone was stealing. When I would go into Sephora and I would be hearing like one of my coworkers going like someone's stealing right now, I wouldn't clock in. I would like walk around and like follow them and see like what they were doing. But always keep in mind, guys, if you're someone, if you're watching this and you steal at Sephora, keep in mind, they're watching you. They are fucking watching you like a hawk. And everybody else that's working in Sephora is watching you as well. Don't think that you can get away with stealing. Trust me, because you are being watched. Even now, when I go shopping at Sephora, when I get offered a basket immediately, when I have something in my hand already, I'm like, oh, they think I'm stealing because they will tell you like, oh, she looks like, um, cause we have like the headsets in our ears. Uh, they say, um, uh, do you guys see that girl by milk makeup? Uh, she's holding a foundation in her hand. Can you give her, um, a basket? Can you ask her if she wants a basket? And if she says no, just, just keep an eye on her. And it was like one of those things where it was like, bro, it doesn't mean that they're going to steal. Sometimes they don't want a basket because they don't want a lot of stuff, but you kind of have to go with that mindset that like, you're going to, as a loss prevention person and it also falls on him like the amount of money that walks out of the store because of people stealing it falls on him so he has to be skeptical of everyone trust me this guy did not discriminate homeboy got everybody he had everybody under a microscope he didn't care if you were white hispanic black asian a mom um, you know how many moms used to come in with their strollers with their sleeping children in the strollers and they would put products in the little baskets stealing products i was like what is happening these moms would come into the store and they have such a demeanor on them where they they want to come off as like so genuine and so nice you're helping them but the whole time you're hearing in your ear Oh, keep in mind, uh, she has a product in her purse. She has three or four products in the in the little undercarriage of the stroller. Um, just keep an eye on her and make sure that she's checking out those items. Because there were some moms that would put that shit in the undercarriage, but it was because they didn't want to walk around with a basket. And then eventually they would take it out and put it on the counter when they were checking out. But for the most part, it was because they were stealing and they thought they were getting away with it. Um, we've had women come in... <laughs>
This is going to sound crazy, but if you've worked at Sephora or if you currently work at Sephora, you know exactly what I'm talking about. These are the type of people that steal and um, steal in ways that are so unconventional. It's not like your typical stealing, you know, putting things in a purse, putting things in your pocket. No, this was putting things up your crotch to steal. Yes, that was a thing. I remember one time I was working and we got the loss prevention guy. We'll call him. What are we going to call him? I'm going to call him Christmas tree because I'm looking at my Christmas tree right now. So Christmas tree would come over the walkie and he would be like, guys, I'm going to need everybody to steer clear from Clinique. Uh, someone's currently stealing product, but they're actually putting it up their vagina. Yeah. You're not, you're not hearing something else. Women would come in, steal things and go to the back of the store and proceed to put things up their vagina. Like ma'am. They sell tampons at CVS. That was when I realized that there really is a different breed of humans out there. Um, People that are capable of doing things that honestly would leave you speechless, would leave you at a loss for words. And um, the best part was hearing after the cops come and hearing them like in the back, like trying to, you know, fight the cops and all that stuff, hearing them specify that like they had to have her push out these products as if she was giving birth to a Kat Von D contour palette (laughs) out of like you can't even fit a Kat Von D contour palette up there but like you know what I'm talking about like she had to like push out a Dior lipstick from her puss puss because um they needed they needed the product um to (laughs) sorry it's just so funny like they really had women uh giving birth with no epidural in the back of a sephora giving birth to a dior concealer like it was really happening i'm not kidding and i'm pretty sure that if you work at a sephora or if you've worked at a sephora you know damn well what i'm talking about people will find the weirdest ways to steal anything i'm just like is it worth it that is the question the concealer isn't even that great it doesn't have the best coverage so honestly when people would steal it was the best part of working there because it made the job entertaining it made it fun but other than that i hated working there i hated i ended up hating a lot of the people as time went on most of my favorite co-workers were starting to leave and like there were maybe like only one or two left co-workers that i really did love um and we were all just like leaving in droves because it, it's one of those jobs where like they don't treat you like a human being and the hours don't help um the money is horrible like the pay is horrible And eventually I had to leave because they wouldn't work with my school schedule. So I was like, peace. Okay, so I wanted to quickly go over all the other ones, even though it's literally been like an hour. Um, I wanted to go over the other ones because we have to go over the one, the only Yelp. This is one that like, it's hard for me to joke about, but I always find a way to joke about it. Uh, But it's hard for me to like actually joke about it without getting mildly triggered because this was the job. This was the job that like gave me the worst crippling anxiety, gave me feelings of um, worthlessness, gave me me really depressed. And this was like when the pandemic was about to hit us hard and I worked through the pandemic um, not that much, but I worked like towards the beginning of the lockdown with this company and it was quite an experience. I'm not going to lie. It made me really realize how badly I just want to work for myself because I cannot handle working for another person. <laughs> no man, not the big man. Um, so here it is 2019 Andrew got deployed. I didn't know the pandemic was coming, but it was, you know, shortly right there. Um, 
last semester of college, I was getting ready to graduate. I was looking at for jobs in advertising because I realized I want to get into advertising. I don't want to do marketing, um, even though it's kind of the same thing, but it's, it's very different. So I was looking at advertising jobs. I see this position available at Yelp, account executive or advertising executive because they put advertising because I put advertising in the search. So they put advertising in their SEO or their, you know, so I get called for the interview. They want me, they want to interview me. I immediately got scared because, you know, I've had bad experiences with people wanting to interview me so quickly. It's never a good thing when a company wants to interview you right away when you have not had the experience or, um, you know, when you are like a fetus in the corporate world, you know? So I go for the first interview. Everything is fine. I'm like, okay, I still kind of don't understand what this is. Um, And then the second interview was them telling me and asking me the magic question, are you familiar with cold calling or have you ever done it before? And I was like, no, what, what is that? My job was essentially to call businesses on their busiest hours and sell them on advertising, uh, like, like the advertising that Yelp does. So like if you ever go on Yelp and you see where it says sponsored and you see businesses that are all the way on the top, like you look up hair salons, but you look up Uh, hair salons in your area and you see sponsored and you see like three or four different hair salons uh, at the tippy top always those are the ones that work with Yelp that are advertising with Yelp so my job was to call these businesses and try to sell them on these advertising things and you would think that it does not sound that bad and if any of my Yelp friends are watching this or listening to this y'all know what the fuck is up um This job was quite literally no joke. It was one of those things where I should have realized how much of a red flag it was when they showed me the culture. And mind you, this was going to be the first job where I worked in the city. It was like my big first corporate job. It was Yelp. It was a company that I was like, this would be amazing for me. This would be amazing on my resume. The fact that I work for Yelp, what? And like it was sales. And I was like, I think I can do it because it doesn't sound like it's that bad bitch i didn't think that it was going to be that bad but keep in mind they hired over 50 people in january and i was one of them and i immediately saw that as like there is no way that this is going to be a good ride for me because how the hell do you hire 50 Uh, that is a huge turnover rate 50 people 50 new hires yeah no so i tell my family about this new job i graduate college i'm like guys i'm gonna have a new job in a corporate in the corporate world working my nine to five i figured out like my transportation i was taking the the express bus to the city because i was not taking a subway no way um i was uh you know i bought new clothes for this job and this was one of those millennial run businesses where the office looked like a fucking playground it was nothing but cubicles but it was like the cubicles were decorated there was loud music playing Remember what I said about the loud music and the EDM music? Yeah, they give you that illusion of like the loud music and the camaraderie and like we're all friends, the toxic positivity. Yeah, Yelp was a cult. Yelp was a fucking cult. Um, And Yelp was located near the Flatiron and it was like three buildings, three floors and it was all employees. They were over, I want to say like 100 plus or 200 plus employees 
in this building. Keep in mind, this was not the only location. There were multiple locations. There was a Yelp in San Francisco and Texas. There was even a Yelp opening up across the street. And this shit was fucking growing. And it was nothing but millennials and Gen Zs managing each other. So this is where things started getting real for me. First day on the job, first of all, in the tour, because we, when we got hired, we had a tour set up because we had to tour the fucking office. They had pinball tables. They had, um, not pinball tables, uh, ping pong tables. They had uh, basketball um, hoops and they had fully stocked kitchens with like organic pickles and granola and cereal. They had like, you know, like how in the hotels they have those uh, little vending machines for the cereal and you just pull the little, pull the lever crunk and you get like all the cereals. They had everything, guys, everything. And they had kegs, okay? They had beer kegs. And after work, every Friday, you were allowed to go and have beers at the kegs. Um, So that was like a big culture. Like just, it was like a big party. And honestly, if that job did not involve sales, I would have still been there. Because it was a lot of fun. It was so much fun. Working with a bunch of millennials, fully stocked kitchen, working in Manhattan, going out after work to the city, like, and getting drunk with your coworkers. Like, it was a lot of fun. But when shit got real, it got fucking real. So fast forward to training. It was a week worth of training. I met new friends, people that I'm still really close to, uh, because we really trauma bonded. And... A lot of us realized the red flags um, during that first presentation of of being at Yelp. And this guy uh, like played us all these like um, examples of how we were going to call and be on phone calls with other businesses. And he was like, this is uh, Teresa on on the phone with like Dan's Pizza selling Yelp. And it was like, you have to call these companies at their busiest hours and you have to be like, hi, is this Dan's Pizza? And then Dan's like, yeah, I'm busy. What, 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 what do you want? And they're like, hi, um, this is Hillary. Um, this is Teresa calling from Yelp. Um, and I noticed that your Yelp page is uh, not updated. And I kind of wanted to help you kind of optimize and use the most of your Yelp page uh, that you can use. And this, And these people would either curse you out, be like, I don't have time for this. Or they would be open to like sitting down and doing that. But for them to be open to wanting to sit down and like you help them out, it was like this slim. They would not want to help you. They would not want help. They don't want to be advertised anything or sold anything. So the first week was us getting accustomed to, pr- to practicing this. And then the second week hit. And then we had to get on the phones. Because the first week was just training. We were just training on our sales pitch. We were practicing like using the computers and stuff and using the system. But the second week, we got our locations. We got our regions. And we have to start calling these fucking companies. Guys, I and I was always told by people that work there a long time, I got the worst of the worst because I got New York, okay? I got Brooklyn, Queens, uh, some areas in Long Island. And apparently those were like the bitchiest people to, <laughs> to work with because they were assholes, rightfully so. Hello. Um, and so I started calling these businesses and I just started getting rejected, 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 guys. And it was literally me. Hey, um, is this uh, Anita's nail salon? Yeah, this is Anita. How can I help you? Um, hi, um, this is actually uh, Hillary. I'm calling from Yelp. Um, and I'm, I-, I was wondering if you knew that you actually had a page on Yelp that was, yeah, no, I don't have time for this. What, 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 what do you want? I was wondering if like you wanted to uh, advertise with us. So 
Again, it's like a people game. It's a money game. It's a how do you know how to manipulate people to do what you want, to get what you want out of them? Because essentially, no matter what you call it, sales is all a manipulation tactic. You have to learn how to talk to people, how to swoon them, how to get them to do what you want them to do. And that's exactly what a lot of these people were good at doing that I could not do myself because I didn't really believe in the product. I didn't really believe in the concept. I felt like I was just overselling these companies, these businesses, these small businesses that, first of all, company, these businesses don't create their own Yelp page. Some of them do. Most of them were created by people who would leave reviews. So like for John's Pizzeria, I went to John's Pizzeria and I fucking love the cauliflower slice. And I decide to leave a review. They don't have a Yelp page. I can create it for them. No problem. I just create the page, write the review, and that's it. But now it's unclaimed. And a big thing that they would have us do is call these these businesses that were unclaimed and tell them, hey, you can claim it. You can claim your business on on Yelp if you want to. Also, did you want to advertise for $6.99? It was an unbelievable ride working in a place like that it was very high strong very high anxiety um when people would make sales and like actually close and like the process of closing the sale was so much work because it wasn't like you could close a sale within minutes you had to spend so much time with this person on the phone especially like if it was like a business that like you had to like really dive in deep to and like get a better understanding of it walk them you had to get them to a computer okay God forbid these were businesses where like English was not their first language. Holy fucking shit. You have to get them to the computer, get them to sign into their Yelp, get them to pick um, a Yelp program that they wanted to start out with and advertise. And that's how you would make commission. And once commissions and, you know, sales goals started becoming a big thing and more people were meeting their sales goals, I was starting to fall behind because I did not believe in what I was doing and I couldn't handle it. I was like, I don't know how much longer I can keep doing this by putting on a face and pretending like I'm actually trying when in fact I'm not. And what I started doing was legally, if a company calls you and tries to sell you something, this is something for you guys to know. If a company tries to call you to sell you something, you have to legally tell, you can tell them, put me on a do not call list. Please do not call me again. But you have to say, Put me on a do not call list and they legally, legally, legally cannot call you back. They have to put you on a do not call list. And if they do, that's against the law and you can sue them for that. I don't know if you can sue them for that, honestly, but um, it's definitely against the law. And it's something that we are told. Once they say put me on a do not call list, you have to put them on a do not call list. And I used to tell companies that people that used to pick up the phone and they were bitches and they would be like, you guys have been calling me since 2012. I'm like god damn i would be like i am so sorry you can and i would say you can request being put on a do not call list you just have to say it he's like all right put me on a fucking do not call list and stop fucking calling me and i would immediately remove these these businesses like these were businesses that were being called for years i'm talking like almost 10 years these businesses would be called to like sell them on advertising and i'm like bro if people don't want to advertise and it's been years I think it's time to remove them because there's just no way you're going to be able to sell to them. Sorry. (laughs) Um, So I had this dilemma where I was really facing a lot of hardships with 
a lot of these companies that like they were companies that, you know, coming from a marketing perspective, wouldn't even benefit from advertising. You know who would benefit from advertising, even though I, I didn't see it as like worth it? Restaurants, hair salons, bars. These were like button inventory small businesses or like a crochet class business. Like it was like very niche companies and then eventually I had my look my area changed which made it even harder because I got like some bumblefuck region where like Yelp isn't even a thing and yet I had to try to sell Yelp to these people so fast forward I'm getting very depressed it's starting to really weigh on me I used to cry a lot I got sexually harassed over the phone by a business person because he said I sounded sexy and that shit was so uncomfortable and I'm happy that like my manager was very nice but again these were millennials managing other millennials and these were millennials that had no either little to no experience managing other people and this is where the problem really came in because these are kids managing other kids and they did not have experience in sales or not not in sales they were so good in sales that the company decided to make them into managers thinking that they would actually be good as managers there's a difference between being good at sales and being good as a manager it's a very different ball game and the problem with a lot of these managers is that they had zero experience with managing a group of 15 millennials just trying their best to make a fucking sale and some of these managers were very condescending very dickheaded like where like you wouldn't even think of the things that some of these people would say to you but they would say it 100 percent. like you tell them you're depressed you tell them that you're going through and they're like maybe you should just quit maybe you don't belong here you don't belong in the culture you don't belong in uh this this lifestyle maybe this is for you and it was something that it was so prevalent that i had to deal with eventually once because in the training uh you it was like a class so 50 people get hired they all train together they work together but they, they get split into different groups and they ha- there's like maybe four or five managers managing all these people and then eventually they get all separated into completely different groups so i didn't end up with anybody that i was that i first started out with and that made it even worse for me and i had a completely new manager who was a bitch she was a fucking cunt i'm sorry but this woman was an asshole she was such a bitch and she was Again, one of those managers that really like to micromanage and make you feel absolutely worthless and pretended to care about you when in fact, when you would have a bad day, she would automatically turn on you and treat you like shit. And I was not having it. And I was like, listen, bitch, I may be depressed and I was pretty weak in that moment where like I couldn't really stand up and speak for myself. But I'm like, catch me on a really bad day and you'll see what would happen. But this was also the time when the pandemic started happening. It was crazy because COVID started becoming a, a topic of conversation in January. And um, it wasn't up until March where, um, where people started really getting sick, but everybody was getting sick. But this is where the pandemic started happening and uh, people started getting sick in the office. Um, we got sent home and it was honestly the best thing in the world because I was like, damn, I might have some relief now. But <laughs> in turn, like, was it really worth it at the end of the day? No, it fucking wasn't. That job was horrible. It was super toxic. I made some amazing friends, but it made me extremely depressed, super anxious. I stopped talking to my friends, my family. Um, but it was because I was so down in the dumps and like I was 
guys, I reached like probably the lowest point in my life um, at that era, in that era, because I would come home at night. I would leave when the sun wasn't even up yet. And the only way that I could feel some form of happiness was um, when I would go out with my coworkers uh, to bars and stuff and, you know, try to have fun there because, hey, they know what I'm going through. They, we can suffer together. But in the pandemic, like during the lockdown, it became even worse. The micromanaging, the, and I actually got COVID the first round. Like I know, I remember because I lost my sense of taste and smell for seven days. Right. And I had a horrible headache. I was feeling really sick. I was scared because I was quarantining by myself. And I remember calling my manager and telling her that. And she was like, well, so-and-so has uh, COVID and she's bedridden and she's able to make sales. So I don't see what your excuse is. I'm not even kidding. I'm not kidding. I reported her to HR. Um, they couldn't get me over to a new team. So uh, essentially, I, I quit. I quit that fucking place. Um, but I actually got fired. <laughs> like, I mentally quit. But like on April 19th or April 10th, I got furloughed along with 30 other people. And it was the best day of our fucking lives because we felt like we were freed. Because I couldn't quit because I needed the money. And uh, I needed the, you know, I couldn't just quit a job without having something else secured. So I had to stay. I had to stay for something that like that. And uh, honestly, I'm, I'm happy I'm not there anymore. It's something that sticks with me that I get pretty triggered by when I think about it a lot. Um, if I think about it too hard, it, ugh, such a such a bad time in my life. I was I was so depressed. Uh, but then that led me to my last job, and hopefully the job that will leave me with a lot of good shit with. I'm not going to touch too much on this because this is like a whole episode within itself, my content creator job. But being a content creator has been such a privilege and so like honestly such a blessing. Like the fact that I was able to have an experience like this fall on my lap and being able to do something like this from my home, being able to work for myself after the shit that I've gone through with Yelp, I... I'm just like, I know I'm deserving of this because um, I know the shit I went through and I deserve to be happy. Yeah, this job has its its pros and cons and a lot of bad cons, but for the most part, it's a very privileged uh, job and I'm very thankful to have this job. Um, So right now I'm going to read and I'm very privileged to have a job like this. So that is going to do it for my work history episode. I hope you guys really enjoyed this uh, and got a deeper look because uh, honestly, I can go on for hours about Yelp, but it's it really is like just like the surface level of everything that I went through. And honestly, I don't even remember that much because I tried forgetting it um, as much as I could. But thank you guys so much for listening or watching. Uh, make sure to follow me on all of my social media platforms. Uh, on Instagram, it's everything is tragic uh, underscore everything is tragic podcast underscore. Sorry. Um, honestly, my link tree is in my bio of my Instagram and my TikToks and stuff. So you guys can uh, follow me on there. So uh, I will see you guys next week. I hope you all have a lovely day. Tune in. 
But that is gonna be it for this week, guys. Uh, I can really go on talking about Yelp, but I don't want to exhaust you guys. And it's it's a lot. It's a lot. And it's also getting dark out. And uh, my camera is showing the red light, so it's time for me to go. Um, but I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, and I will see you guys next week. Bye.